welcome to episode 42 of the Brosane Detroit Pistons podcast. I'm Carl Rosane. I'm Alex Rosane. And we have a special guest today, Michael Delp. Howdy. Who is a Wizards fan and a fellow NBA fan. And uh, he was one of our dedicated listeners for at least two episodes going so far. <laughs> and uh, we convinced him to come talk about... Uh, well, he, you're a Wizards fan, is that correct? Yes, yes. And so they've had more success recently than we have, but they're kind of uh, maybe at the tail end of the trajectory of a middling, good Eastern Conference team. And it felt like a fun topic to trade notes slash commiserate about what it's like to be a fan of a team in the East that can't quite get over the hump uh, and other topics like that. Uh, So, I don't know. The first topic that was interesting to me was um, we... Having gone in with uh, with our current roster with Blake Griffin, probably realistically have a fate that peaks that at, at about where the Wizards peaked, which is losing in the Eastern Conference Finals, or maybe thinking you have a shot against, say, you know, Toronto or the or, or Boston. You lost to Boston a couple of years ago in the Eastern Conference Finals, and assume, lucky. <laughs> and and one current topic is. We talk about this a lot. Is it is it worth being a fan of a team that is winning playoff series, or is it always like a complete disgrace, or is it is it championships or bust? I mean, did you feel like what did it feel like to do that? Does it feel like it was worth it now that you're kind of at the tail end of everything falling apart? Tell us what it's like not to be a loser. <laughs> I mean, you're better than all right, me. first of all. Uh, there's a few things you said there. First of all, you think that the Pistons are uh, conference final material. No, I'm at, saying... At the absolute best. I'm saying our, our wildest dreams are what you achieved. And so... Well, we never achieved the conference finals, but I... Well, I, didn't, didn't you lose... Are you lost in the quarterfinals? Or was it... Didn't, I thought you lost in the Eastern Conference Finals. No. Oh, okay. Never got to the conference finals. But I would, I would posit that we were very close. Yeah. You know, it was a game seven against Boston. I feel like if the Wizards had home court advantage, they would have won... That series, um, they lost in the conference semis three out of four years. Yeah. Okay, under okay. two under Randy Whitman. So we're top four team in the East. Yeah, for three out of four years, and uh, and that's still our realistic upside. Honestly, I mean, I maybe we could hope like maybe we could have been like you where we thought we had a shot at making to the Eastern Conference Finals. But like this year, if we win a playoff series and are competitive in the second one, that'd be a wild success for us right now. Yeah, you, you've yeah. had a run okay. where you, where you won between forty one and forty nine games each year and you've um made the playoffs four times and uh advanced to at least the second round three times so that's that's like seriously what everyone's talking about is the pistons ceiling the last couple of years so that's what we're like what what's that like Uh, well it's the best stretch of wizards history in my 40 years so you know it's been great it's been great to to watch this team you know the wizards uh are Probably the only team in history that won two playoff series in separate years uh, as uh, the the away team. They they destroyed Toronto that one year, four zip, and uh, they beat the Bulls previously. Uh, and you know they they have really good you know really good players. And I think that you know we we are in that that top four conversation. And and frankly, that that's been so nice. It's so nice. It's like I feel I can call myself a Wizards fan now instead of having to latch on to some other other team's playoff, you know, run because the, they're not in the playoffs. You know, 
Yeah, and I was just looking at their franchise history. Um, you, you mentioned earlier today that you turned 40 today. So I think that means that the last time the Wizards won a championship, it was just a few months before you were born. <laughs> spring of 1978. Yep. So, so yeah, you, the last time they've been to a, even a conference finals. <laughs> well, they lost in the finals when you were. Uh, oh, when I was at the, that next year at the club. I remember that fondly. <laughs> yes, what a run with Alvin Hayes. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So the Pistons have had more franchise success, obviously, but you know we, we've been bad for like what fifteen years running now, or something like that. Or t- I mean, that, that's no, no, not really right. ten, ten years, ten years. Yeah, we've had. That's One, right. It's, it's it's been a long like Chauncey Billups is on ESPN as an analyst now. You know, like. There aren't any guys left in the league from uh, not many guys left. It, in the league it has era. been a while for you guys, but you guys were went to what five, six straight conference. Oh, finals. it was amazing! It was amazing. I mean, that, you guys had a great team, won the finals. And this is ten, this is basically a decade or twelve years ago. Like, and in fact, if I learned anything from that, is to never like we blew it up after losing the Eastern Conference Finals. That's insane to me. Exactly, that was insane. Like, exactly. I, will, I will on the record. If we're ever that good again and on the tail end and we're really getting frustrated by losing in the Eastern Conference Finals, please do not blow I'll it up take yet. your place. Wait until you, know? you wait until you at least, wait until you lose the first round of the playoffs, you know. Yes, I, I mean which we did in the last in that first year after we were trying to blow it up with the, the Iverson year. But yeah, we we had um six straight conference finals. But even stretching before that to the um to the Grant Hill era we had a stretch of 14 years where we only missed the playoffs twice. I mean, and then uh, it's a lot of crickets uh, since then. We we did make the playoffs to get blown out once under Stan Van Gundy, and that was that was our peak uh, since since the rebuild. So so I'm glad to hear that that uh, you know it, it's possible to be grateful for that because you know as we talk about uh, on the podcast from time to time, the national basketball media. There, there's one of the voices that, that's always there, no matter who's saying it, is if you're not trying to do the process or you didn't already get lucky and get James Harden dropped in your lap or uh, Steph Curry, um, then it's pointless. You, you know, just go, you, just leave the league, you know. <laughs> yeah, we, I was listening to the, the Hoop Collective, Brian Windhorst podcast, and um, Nick Friedel, who, you know, he's a, he's a funny guy. But he's definitely the guy who just loves to laugh at the teams who obviously should have done something different to be contenders. Or like so, like the Wizards should have blown it up years ago, two years ago. So what? After you, he really said that. He really said that. Like, because that would have been the peak time to to get the most for your assets. But like, what's the point of having assets if you're not winning playoffs? Two right? years ago, this you won forty nine like, games. This just yeah, like that. That's our be- their best season <laughs> in like forty years. Like that's so ridiculous. Like okay, so like I. I understand the point of like, especially previously when the you know when the draft was um, more uh, slated towards the the lowest teams. You know, I, I understand the point of you don't want to kind of be in that middle. But for for me, that middle is always losing the first round or not even making the playoffs. Right. 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 And for the Wizards, the Wizards, like we just went over. Went to the uh, the semis, uh, you know, several years, and were a real shot. You know, I think the Cavs were a little bit scared of them, and frankly, even some years might have lost a couple games so they wouldn't have to face the Wizards. And also, the Wizards maybe were doing the same sort of thing. Um, but you know, 
the the Cavs were a little scared of them, and uh, I, and they were a great. Uh, they they still are a great team to watch. And, you know, I, they've had uh, they've had a bad stretch, but I th- you know hopefully they can get out of it. And there's not and you know so there's been the recent reports uh, of um, from Woj, Woj of a tweet that's saying all the guys are available, and. Uh, yeah, we don't really know what that means. I mean, we heard last year that Kemba Walker was available, or they're they're listening, and that like then there was more reporting about how that hurt Kemba Walker's feelings, and he was you know wanted to be with the franchise, and they, and they never traded him, and yeah. so that's you know that's that keeps it awkward. But he did you know so you don't have anyone making a trade demand, right? I mean, this no. is, this is just no. An admission it gives people something to talk about. Although other, apparently other than, Beal was swearing uh, at uh, Grunfeld or something in some practice. Uh, no, Wall was swearing at the um, the coach, uh, well, the, Scotty Brooks. Yeah, Scotty Brooks. Right. right. So yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting. You know, Brooks came in and he seems like he's done well, and he, he was good with Oklahoma City. But like, I guess maybe this is where you find out if he's a. If he's a really good coach, if he could salvage this, or if he was just getting by on having Kevin Durant. Oh no, on his team. Brooks, I don't like. I would, I would go against. Uh, so Brooks, Brooks is very good at developing talent, right? Okay. Westbrook, Durant, you know, Ibaka. Um, he did it with Otto Porter. Otto Porter really made a jump mm-hmm. when Brooks came in, and I think he's really good at that. As for as for like in game management and managing, you know what time people should start and uh, what lineups come out. I mean, Brooks is just terrible. I even liked our previous coach over him, Whitman. Yeah, yeah. That, well, plus Brooks is a total prick. No, I'm just kidding. He's like the nicest guy. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it does. Well, when when you when Brooks' first year when you were really good two years ago, John Wall had kind of a, a made a leap. He was like he went from being like all star to like all NBA caliber. I think. And then last year you were back to forty three wins, and Wall's knee was hurt. And he was like, kind of like, not even all star caliber. So it's like it's so funny. People uh, put a lot of it on the on the coach, but it just just right there, you, John Wall goes goes up a level at the same time Otto Porter does. You go from forty one to forty nine wins, and then like Porter's still good, but Wall's knee is kind of hurt. You lose six wins. And it just sometimes it's just as simple as that. You need stuff to break right. Yeah, and like, and who knows? You know, is six wins that big of a, you know, difference? Like statistically, that's, you know, a small sample size. But just just to yeah, talk true. about your like Scott Brooks uh, point, um, and John Wall. So J- Wall. Scott Brooks maybe is is good at doing that. Like we saw that with Russell Westbrook, right? Like making the star even more of a star. Right, and giving them that opportunity. And that, that's a good, fair point maybe that you make about John Wall. I don't know whether that's true or not, whether maybe Wall is just, you know, he's reaching his prime and so he got a little better. Could be. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if, it's, if Brooks was the reason he made the leap, but he made a leap. And then he came back, crashing back down. And now, I mean, this year, you're as we speak right now, you're 5-11. and 11 And, like, well, I mean, so, so yeah, things are bad right now. And... Who knows if they'll turn around and what's going to happen. And I think it might be interesting to talk a little bit later about even some potential, if you were blowing it up, what would the Pistons potentially be involved in that? Um, there's some interesting things there. But the other point that's related to like the idea of being a team that is uh, happy to actually 
make moves to get better and win playoff series in the East and have your strategy be, hey, you know what? Our strategy is not to tank until we magically have uh, unicorns uh, that are on rookie contracts and then having, like, cap space for three max players. Our, our strategy is to, like, get better so that we can be good enough to maybe then attract other free agents, things like that. And so uh, I think in the recent Zach Lopez, he makes a point about there being defensible moves that in isolation, each one, you can see why they made it and what, and they, some of them worked out, some of them didn't. And it just didn't quite all add up to what you hoped for so far, or maybe it did. Maybe it was actually all worth it. And, and at this point, maybe, maybe things go through another cycle, but like right now we, we went in on Blake Griffin and we do seem better this year, whether it's better enough, uh, you know, is, are we now to a point where we can actually hope to be like in the, in the fourth spot in the East uh, and is that worth it for us? I mean, I, I think it's very similar in the approach of not being tanking all or nothing on kind of tanking and things like that. Yeah, it's um, I'm the the each move being defensible thing. I mean, that's just a, a a point that I end up hitting all the time. It's and maybe it's a mistake. Maybe I should be doing what Zach Lowe says and and look at the the whole a little more. But it's like every decision. It has to be made, you know, you're making it within your larger strategic framework, but you have to make it based on the merits. So you don't want to change strategies in the middle. You don't want to make one move to tank and then another move to get a bunch of veterans, then another move to tank. But other than that, I mean, you, like, do you like a pick for Gortat? Seemed reasonable. Maybe when they signed, when they, when they signed Mahinmi to the big con- the larger contract didn't they the, yeah that that was that, maybe a, a bad move or like do you well, remember but that was the year after i believe that was the year after the caps bag the yeah but but i i can't remember whether that was the year after they won 49 games and we're just like we're just one piece away from being finals content uh, that was the year of the caps spike so it was a horrific move right paying mahan may 17 million he's a backup center barely even plays in the playoffs i mean that's just such a hurtful Terrible move. I wonder right? where that ranks. We had a, we had a list of the worst moves of that summer because people always it, jail it us. It should be way up there, right? I mean, it should be up there with the. I mean, it's not apparently not as bad as what the Lakers signed uh, the Cavs center. That one was, I think, considered the worst. Oh yeah, uh, forget his name, but uh, Z. What's the guy's name? <coughs> Elgaskis, right? No, no, no uh, Timothy Mosgov. Yeah, Mosgov. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. but it's the guy confused by giant. Giant white. Do, do giant Slavic white men all yeah. look like you, Carl? Apparently, yeah. Um, no, I, yeah, so you had Mahimi on your roster for that, that peak year where you won 49. And and, and and so you, but it really hamstrung your ability to build on that because, you, yeah, you had all this cap space clause. Yeah, and, you know, Mahimi played well for the Pacers the year before, and I understand signing him, but, you know, there's, I think that year was, was terrible for a lot of teams, especially the Wizards. So they just, really uh, sculpted everything around getting Durant, right? So they had to carve out $30 million worth of cap space. They they signed, like, Durant's high school coach to some position. They really wanted to get Kevin Durant. They had a, probably a good enough team to warn him, but he just didn't even take a meeting with him. It's so sad. And then you have $30 million. And you, in the NBA, you have to spend it, right? There's a, what's the 90% limit. You ha- you're forced to spend it. When we signed John Lure, yeah. it was similar. Like, we had some money sitting around... Um, you know, and, and we signed, like, who else did we sign in that? In oh, that, Langston Galloway. Langston Galloway. Or, and we signed Ish Smith to a reasonable contract. Um, yes. But, by the way, I was just looking for the one, that one that said the worst contracts. And this Bleacher Report article 
says that uh, John Luer was uh, the number five best contract from that summer because he shoots well from three and is wor- was working out. He, he had that, that was halfway through his first season with us, he looked good. And then he hit the wall, and, he, and he's sucked ever since. So, so what you guys pay him? It, it's uh, $10 million a year for four years. So what is what what what, what does making me fall on that list? Uh, I'm I'm trying to find it. It's one of these things that makes you click through a bunch of crap. So oh, okay. So in the meantime, um, yeah, I think that. Oh yeah, number three worse. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, fine. Well, okay, that's fair. Mozgov was number two worst, and Joakim Noah four years seventy two million, okay, who was now waived waived by the Knicks yeah. was the, the number one worst. So. So yeah, maybe you've had some mistakes on, on the list, but in the meantime, since the Bleacher Report is obviously like the total final arbiter of, of all yeah. things, but I, I think that's something that you could say, hey, maybe they should have known not to do that. But you know, I was actually thinking about that point about having cap space and having to use it, like because it's bitten us a couple times too. Like when we the the, the faded the ill fated trade of Chauncey Billups for Allen Iverson, where okay, if, even if Allen Iverson ends up stinking, he has one year left on his contract. He did stink. And then we have now we have like twenty million or something like that. Yeah. And but at the time, oh, guess who's available? Charlie Villanueva and Ben Gordon. Well, if no one you want is available, could you just like sign someone from the G League to a one year twenty million dollar contract if you wanted to? Yeah. Just just to avoid just to not make a mistake and sign a long term contract. Well, that's that's basically what the Lakers did this year is they signed a bunch of misfits to one year deals. Lance Stevenson, JaVale McGee, Rajon Rondo. Those those guys are all one year deals. Because next year's the year they're going to really try to build. So a that's actually interesting because before we've always made it sound like it was this like inevitable thing, and to, I think it, I think that argument makes it sound way more defensible than people make it out to be. But I do think that maybe if you strike out on free agency, just like give some some random guy a one year paycheck, you know, and just buy some time. I mean, the, I, I think what's really hard for teams is that you want to show your fans you're actually trying to win. And so, like, if you can get someone pretty good and it's a slight overpay or you you don't spend all your money or, or you you fill it with, guys, you know, the, the set of guys who will only take a one-year reasonable deal, those are not, like, your top options. So it, you have to have a patient fan base. And w- I think what we're seeing is a lot of the mid- and small-market teams, they don't actually trust their fan bases to be patient, like... Memphis is like people are saying they should blow it up because they have Gasol and Conley on long contracts, but the owners are just like we'll go out of business if we try to do this. The um, the Pacers have never tanked. The Bucks uh, had an owner for the longest time that would never let them tank, and they're just like nope, um, do whatever you got to do. When if you win, you know if you get into the playoffs, like great, I'll make money. The fans will be happy that we're not terrible. They won't revolt, and you have to be willing to like leave a couple of wins on the table. And, you know, like, Ben Gordon was good the year before we signed him. And he was bad when we signed him. We just had bad luck. Villanueva, we paid him $7 million a year, and he basically earned that. That wasn't a, the biggest deal. We just got unlucky that, like, you, you, you get your cap room available, and then whoever, it, you know, I think all the, all the guys that we were hoping to get, like, re-signed with their own team. Same thing happened with Van Gundy, where we engineered our one shot at cap room. Let's get Al Horford. You know, no one will take our calls. You know, we end up signing, you know, signing some decent players who are rotation guys. We're still living with yeah, having Langston Galloway and Don Lure taking up cap space. But it's not like we had the cap space anyway. Like, Drummond, Drummond's contract was going to go up. So, 
you know, you, it's these special situations where it's not as simple as like just never sign anybody to a long deal unless it's perfect. You know, be Sam Hinkey and just say no 60 times in a row and, and be willing to be bad. Be at the salary cap floor. Have the league fine you for not spending enough money. Well, maybe you can avoid, like, signing Josh Smith or something like that. You know, like, uh, yeah, I was hoping not to think of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Al, Al Horford was our second choice after Durant, the, uh, the Wizards. Did, he, did and, you get a call uh, with him? I think we did actually meet with him, but, of course, the Celtics got him. Um, but we, you know, we also hoped for him. Yeah. We, we, did, we, we might have gotten like a voicemail. He went to high school in Michigan. It was going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> great connection. <man. laughs> uh, well, actually, it could be. I mean, Durant, Durant, Durant was from D.C., <laughs> right? So, I mean, that's the thing. We're like, it's hard to value. Like, come on home. LeBron did yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, taking a risk on t- taking a risk and missing out is hard to value because, in theory, you still have you achieved some expected theoretical portion of like let's say you had a 15% chance of getting him you know that was worth taking a shot because if you had gotten him that could have changed the force Durant yeah Yeah. it was worth a shot Uh, well I don't know I think that you have to have some idea if the guy doesn't even come meet with you like you gotta have some idea that that's gonna happen right can't you reach out and figure that out and not you know because maybe because they did things like they let go of Trevor Reza and other and yeah, nice was... assets that uh, you know to make this cap space right, and that 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 kills you in the end. Um, it's, it's true. Yeah, I, mean, I I think you know except for the teams that really we, we look at the teams that are contenders now and it's like they all have some really special thing that happened to get them there like the Celtics fleeced the rookie owner of the Brooklyn Nets to, you know, and they traded, they did what they thought, what we thought we were doing with the Chauncey Billups trade you know, a, a, a little bit. Where it's like, you take, take a guy right at the end of his prime when he still has value and trade him. We didn't get the hall of draft picks back, you know, but, uh, and, and, and that set them up and then they drafted well. And, and then once you're good, then people want to sign with you. Gordon Hayward signs with you. Kyrie Irving is, is willing to force a trade to you. Um, and uh, or you do well, the they, James Harden they, trade. They hit on their picks more too. They did. They, they did. A, they have a better track record there. Um, well, I'll ask, I'll ask you guys an opinion on this. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, one thing that's really tough for the Wizards is the Otto Porter situation, right? So he was the third pick in the draft, right? He is who he is. He's a very good player. He had a really great uh, efficiency numbers last year. Pretty good defender. He did. Um, but you know. In, in restricted free agency, the Nets offer him $25 million a year, right? And so now the Wiz either have to match that or lose it, completely lose him. And, you know, that really hamstrings us, right? He was the highest played – I think he still is the highest played player on our team. This you year, know, yeah. and he's not an all-star and uh, maybe never will be. You know, what do you do in that situation? What do you guys think the Wizards should have done? I mean, it, you could imagine them sniffing – that situation out and just trying to, like, if they had known things were going to, like, that wall might be on a decline potentially. I mean, who knows if he really is. Maybe he'll turn things around. We'll be laughing about this at the end of the season. and They'll, they'll be, like, the fifth seed or something like that. But assuming things play out the way it is, if you'd known that things were in the decline, maybe you wouldn't have done that. But if you thought that wall was coming back at full strength and Beal was, you know, they're going to be the same wall-Beal combo, I think that you would end up signing it because just losing someone like that for nothing that you that you that you drafted, 
Um, did they draft him, right? Yep. Yeah, they did. So I, 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 I can't, I don't think I would have done something different, but unless you really thought that Wall was declining. And I, I don't, I wasn't watching close enough to know. Yeah, I think you were in a really tough position because it's not like you either match the $22 million a year or you have 25. or 20, $25 million in cap space. You don't. You were already over the cap, probably, because of previous commitments. I don't think we were. You weren't. Okay. So so how much space would you have had? Would you have had the full amount? I, uh, I don't think you – I don't think, like, you were right at the cap right after you matched that. I think, so I didn't think you had the full amount. You know what I mean? So it's like – if you if you, you either pay him twenty five or you have eight million to go sign somebody, I think my guess is it's a lot more than eight though. I mean, there's an opportunity cost, right? Yeah. So we can't sign a, a Bog, Bogdanovich. Bogdanovich then, but Bogdanovich isn't as good as Porter. That's what the, you know. True, but he's on a ten million dollar contract, not twenty six, right? That's true, and he can hit. You know, yeah, twenty six is just at that that sort of wincing mark. I mean, when we signed. Like Reggie Jackson to the sixteen million, mm-hmm. that felt like ooh, but like that's still sixteen, not twenty five. You know. Well, and back then that was a, probably a quarter of the cap, right? And yeah. Like twenty six now is a quarter of the cap, so it's a, but still about the quarter of the cap. Yeah. But but he he's like an average NBA starting point guard, and that's like an average starter salary um, for, for for Jackson. It's just. I guess what I'm getting at is like it, it, it. You have to get really specific about what the exact counterfactual is, because um, you have periods where you're operating below the cap, and then once you're above the cap, then matching guys at at not uh, not crazy rates is you just have to do it because you can't get you can't use that same money to go get somebody else. The, I'm more familiar with the Pistons cap. Situation where it's like we had that one year where we're going to have cap room, but then Drummond was coming off his rookie deal and was going up to his current salary, which you know I think it's like twenty two this year, and going up, and so we're just going to be above the cap from then on. So starting from there, the only thing you give up by by having guys signed to signed to deals is the ability to use like the mid level exception or something. So like. If we hadn't signed Langston Galloway or Ish Smith, like we would be looking for a guy like Langston Galloway or Ish Smith at the mid-level exception, and like, so I actually just don't know the situation you were in with Porter. If you had, if it was like Porter or cap room, you know, you still you've got Wall and Beal, and Porter fits in well with them, and like, who were you targeting? What was your strategy? I I don't remember thinking that that was like some kind of crazy decision. Like he's a good player. He he plays both ways. He, he his skills. He doesn't need the ball in his hand, so he compliments Beal and. Well, it's a, it's a move. That's a good you, point. It's a move you make if you think you're going. You're preserving something that is worth preserving, and if and and you had winning a, some playoff series recently is is enough success to perhaps justify that. But you know, I, again, I haven't been following him close enough. Right now, I think a good parallel situation. Not not exactly parallel, but a point that um, one of your friends brought up was like, should we try to trade Blake Griffin right now? Because he is playing well and he's healthy, and the, like the Celtics right now are struggling on offense, could we get that? Could we get someone to take his big contract, which is people have compared it to John Wall's contract? I think John Wall's is worse because it's bigger and longer. You know, it's even bigger, but um, it's like a super max, and I think it's even more than like his forty. So is Blanks? Is isn't his last year like 
is it he's maybe is one year his supermax starts next year and Blake started this year so it's one year in the future and people have compared those two those two contracts We're like yeah these two people who are definitely very good but it's sort of an albatross because they're on the decline supposedly so like right now should Pistons fans should we just actually be trying to line up our fortunes with our current roster or would it be smart to try to like you know get get off this contract right now if we could um and yeah, it, that was um, that was uh, Charles, who's been on the podcast before, who brought that up. And you know, I think as a practical matter, you know, we we sold Dwayne Casey on we're going to try to win. Yeah, we Tom Gore's is all about let's try to win. I'm firing Van Gundy because we didn't win enough. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we we've it, we committed at least for the next this year and next year to the. Reggie Jackson, Andre Drummond core, and then we added Blake Griffin to that. So now it's the Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond core, and then also Reggie Jackson's there. And like, we 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 could try to trade Blake Griffin, and, and um, you know, one of the ideas he brought up was like maybe the Celtics, since they're having trouble now, they've got all these draft picks for next year. I think they have four first round picks next year or something like that. Um, they have at least one extra like really good pick for next year. That's not as useful to them in like their win now window. Like, let's convince Kyrie to resign with us. We we're gonna ha- they're gonna have to start paying their rookies soon. Maybe they just go all in. Um, maybe we could get some draft picks and like Gordon Hayward or something, or Al Horford. I mean, so we could do that and take a step back, grind it out this year and next year, and then just like we start with all those rookies and then we bottom out one year and try again. So I think we're looking at like. Uh, a year and a half of like we know we're go we're, we know we're trying to bottom out again, but it's going to take a while to get there. Pain. Then you have to be bottomed out and see if the you hit on any of your draft picks for a couple of years. You're li- you're like five or six years away, and, and you might end up like you might end up like Orlando anyway, right? Yeah, we have to talk about the fate of like not seventy six but Orlando because you didn't take hard enough or whatever, or, or they they didn't hit on their picks or whatever, and everyone can just think, well, we'll be we'll hit on our picks. But it's just a total crapshoot. Well, well, so I, I, being five years away from like knowing whether we have anything just to, like doesn't sound as good as like, hey, if things break right, we could win fifty well, games I, and I get think, in the second round. And we seem know? like we're actually pretty good. I'm enjoying watching them right now, and we have a top five defense. And, and we're so here we're a top five defense, twenty in offense. Let's tie it back to the Washington, the Wizards theme of the podcast. Uh, people are saying that like Wizards is like one of the recent articles today about the wizard situation was from Kevin Pelton ranking the tradability of their stars. And, and wall was like the fifth or something like that because of his huge contract. And the fact that this year he's been like, I guess one stat they brought up was like, he's like taped had the, one of the highest percentage of walking in the game. Like he's not running around at all. Did you see that one, Mike? Uh, with the, with the, uh, definitely, people talk about yeah, that. standing yeah, around holding his yeah, camera. That's not stuff. so. But one question I have for you: Do you think that he's still going to be good in the next three years? Like really good. All-star yes, John level? Wall is a super duper all star. Like he's a really really good player. Like uh, I know he's not as great at the threes, um, but he makes his three point shooters around him love him. You know, um, there's, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting the name, but there's a guy, Journeyman, he played with the Suns, uh, he played with the Wizards, and he played with uh, Chris Paul as well. So he played with Wall, Nash, and Chris Paul. And guess who he said he liked playing with the best? 
John Wall, because John Wall got him the most open threes. And he does that for everyone. All of these. Was that Trevor Ariza? No, no, it was. Uh, he was. He, well, I'll think of it later. No he was on their team when they missed the playoffs. Actually, he was their starting four. Um, but the, you know, John Wall is just a supreme athlete. You know, he can get to that rim at the end of games. And do you think he still has that against for, anybody? Like, do you, have you seen the decline in his knees or his quickness? I mean, the people are saying he's not quite as quick. Or I have not. I have not seen it. You haven't seen it. I have not seen it. I I don't understand what's going wrong in Washington, but I don't think that's it. I don't think it's a John Wall decline. Maybe it is. Ooh, it's possible. I just almost fell back in my chair. It's out there. So so one question then is. Like just like we did on Blake Griffin, uh, the, the taking a like trading for a, a, maybe an undervalued or just like you know we're already we're already all in on a long contract. But what if what if we double down on gathering all of the 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 you know the super max, people being paid the super max who maybe aren't quite worth it but are still you know all star level players? What if we lined up John Wall with Blake Griffin? The problem is he's even one year beyond that. We'd be going in even one year further. Yep. How, how would we make it? I mean, because then the problem, one problem I see with that is that Blake Griffin also is someone who makes, who's a great passer and Needs makes the ball on his hand, makes other three point shooters good, but we don't have any other three point shooters necessarily, you know? Right. So, like, if we imagine Reggie Bullock, yes, not this year though. Oh, really? Yeah. John Wall make Reggie Bullock into incredible. And Luke Kennard, maybe, yeah. Luke Kennard as well. So we have John Listen, Wall. Listen, you guys would be you guys would be happy with John Wall. So you think if we had John Wall and like you Griffin said, you're already John. screwed having great Griffin. So <laughs> what's a you know Well we could yeah, so go for it. Two directions, right? We, we but try. no, you cannot have him. <laughs> Pistons fans, shoot. Hey, well you can just join the bandwagon. You can sort of become the part of the podcast and You know what though? I live here, obviously. In uh, in Ann Arbor, Detroit area, and I like going to games when the team is competitive. Right, yeah. you want your home team to be competitive enough that the other teams, even the really even the really good ones, have to try. Yeah, right. You want to see the the other team's best best players, right? And if you have some crappy team that's tanking and stuff, you're going to go there, and the second half is not going to even be. Worth watching because uh, you know the other your team's getting blown out by thirty. So that's no fun for fans. It's just uh, yeah, like right now we're good enough that we went and we beat the Raptors on the road. You know, I remember a couple of years ago we yeah, had, we, awesome. we, have, we have our moments. Like I remember yeah. on the night that we retired Ben Wallace's jersey, the Warriors came in and we like played this great game out of our minds and beat the Warriors, and that was like. Yeah, and, was like and five years ago, you were the type of team that I'm talking about. Exactly, you know? yeah. That would just and those games were just hard to go see, and I think a lot of fans, you lost a lot of fans, and you didn't get a star out of it either, really. So, oh, you got Drummond, but he was a ninth pick, you know? So. Yeah. yeah, yeah. we had Greg Monroe, who we, we did make that choice to just let leave for nothing. And... Um, now he's like playing for a minimum contract. Yeah, that was so probably that was, the right choice. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and, and we let Contavious Caldwell Pope leave for nothing too because he wanted a max deal, and he's like, that was probably the right call. He's right. He's playing behind like Josh Hart on the Lakers yeah. right now, like not getting any minutes. So. He scored twenty the other night. Oh well. Um, All right, we we'll fire up, fire up the. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't shed a tear from that. No, twenty for that's like a million per point. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so I, I feel like I feel like the right balance is like be as good as you can without without trading away first round picks. It, it, so just, so that you just have no hope for the future. Mm. You should only trade away future assets if it's like 
you made the conference finals last year and you think you can become a contender. That's I think that's when you make the move. And so I think the the hard part is when you do what the Pistons did, we traded our, our first round pick to get Blake Griffin in, in a deal to get Blake Griffin, or the series of moves that like the um the the Wizards did to, you know, you add Markeith Morris, you add Marcin Gortat, um, or you do the um the right time to do it is like when the Cavs had LeBron, they traded a first round pick to get Kyle Korver. I think they traded two first round picks to get Timothy Mozgov from the Nuggets. Yeah, which is like yeah. um, <laughs> that was ridiculous. I mean, but he was good for them. Yeah, playoffs. well, it helped them. Yeah. I think that year they won the title. He like there was something about the matchup where that he really helped them. Um, and then he's just been a disgrace ever since that one half year in um, Cleveland. But but it's really hard to convince yourself. Like, don't trade a first rounder to get into the playoffs. Be there and then start trading them. To yeah, and because and the reason why is because then you're trading a non lottery pick. And frankly, a non lottery pick is how much is that really worth? You know, exactly. I, I mean, I don't know. I'll, I'll posit this to you guys. You guys keep bringing up how the Wizards have been trading first round picks for Gortat and others, and uh, you know, writers bring that up. Um, you know, who? What are what are those non lottery picks really worth? And no, don't like give me the very best player of the non lottery picks right. because you know, especially the Wizards aren't going to draft that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about the Pistons. Well, I mean, but... like for instance, we we whipped out. We didn't get Donovan Mitchell. And no one else did either. Uh, you know. Like, we could have had him this past, like, when we got Luke Kennard. It's tough for you guys because you're the pick right before, right? So right. So like to concentrate yeah, on that. But there, are, there were 13 or 10 other picks before that that uh, okay, so probably should have. This trade's successful. John Wall for Reggie Jackson. That would be a sweet irony for John Wall. Remember who he's complaining about Reggie Jackson oh, yeah, getting paid more than him? Yeah, I remember that. And so you would, you would be getting someone who is, you know, has, basically getting off that albatross contract. And we would be the sneaky guys who come in and say, you know what, John Wall's still good, and we pair him with Blake Griffin. Do you think if if we did that trade, would we be a top two team in the East? I'll just say my reaction as Wizards fans, I just puked in my mouth <laughs> and ate it. Yeah. And, uh, no, you you would have to be deciding to grind it out the next couple of years and then be starting over with cap space and Bradley Beal and Otto Porter and like whoever you. Yeah, and let me tell you, I like Bradley Beal. Uh, great player, but you know he's he's not bringing the Wizards to the to the conference finals, right? You know, on his own, right? He's more of the modern player that shoots the threes, and you want him. But John Wall is the athletic superstar that can block people, that can you know make those uh, fastest man in the league scurries to the basket. So he's the guy. Uh, he's the most important piece, anyway. Well, I like it. I, I like to know that there's a the, the a Wizard fan is that. So, so you, to you, you're more protective of John Wall than, than – so you actually maybe, if they are going to trade something, would you rather just not blow it up and just be patient for a while? Listen, man. So, that's definitely – I definitely don't want to blow it up. Yeah. Like, yes, they are – it's it's bad what's happening. And if they go 33% for the whole year, you know, like, that's pathetic. And then maybe you start thinking about those sort of things. But this team is the result of blowing it up. I mean, and getting lucky in the draft, right? John Wall, number one pick. Bradley Beal, number three pick. Autoporter, number three pick. I mean, this is the result. You've got to stick with that. And now you're hoping that you pick up somebody like a Dwight Howard and he ends up turning into a Capella or whatever, you know, and becoming that pick and roll piece. Or you, you know, you get, you know, I mean, a lot of the Wizards' problem has literally been their bench sucks, right? You should be able to just get a good bench. And that shouldn't be a hard thing. 
to do, right? That's just like maybe the management gets lucky or unlucky, you know, all these little little things that happen. And so, you know, if we had a better bench, I think we would have a better record. Now we're playing home games against against Boston in that um, semifinals two years ago, or in the semifinals against the Hawks the year before. Mm-hmm. And now maybe we're in we're in the finals and we're playing, you know games on TNT against the Cavs and stuff like that, you know? So uh, I think there's still a chance for that for the Wizards. And, uh, you know, I'm just hoping that they get out of this funk that they're in. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to think about having a deep team because one thing that Van Gundy did for us was to try to to shore things up a little bit because we've, we've been bitten by having a really, like Reggie Jackson getting injured and then having to start Ish Smith, and, and we had, like, DJ Augustine for a while as, like, our yeah. starting point guard. Like, ooh, and, and, it was bad. I mean, and, I went to Pistons games last year, a few of them, and I'm just watching guys. I'm a huge, huge NBA fan. I'm watching guys I've never seen before. I'm like, who is that guy? <laughs> yeah. like, he looks, like, weird, and I don't know who he is. Like, there's, like, your team was, like, four out of five starters were like that or something at points during last year, you know? Yeah. yeah and, and Whoa. And we, you know, and we were about a 500 team the last year too. You know, I mean, it, it's uh, well, and, and who we traded to get here. I mean, right now people are still saying that the trade worked out well for the Clippers because Tobias Harris is actually took taking another step up, and he's he's a he's a decent kind of uh, not quite Blake Griffin level star, but he's playing really well for the Clippers right now. Maybe we'd been we'd have more flexibility if we hadn't done that. That's but, an interesting but, but, point, actually. Can, well, you guys should expand upon that because the Clippers are what third in the West now. Yeah, and they got Tobias Harris. They got Redick Blake. What's you guys thinking? Well, I mean, is what's his name? Um, I can't remember his name now. Avery Bradley. Is Avery Bradley even playing well for him right now? He, I think he's still hurt. I, I think. I mean, so that was an unfair. I think Avery Bradley sucks. So we got out of his. We got out of Bradley. We, we didn't actually have to. We didn't, we didn't have a contract with but him anyway. Tobias, he was a free agent anyway. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Tobias Harris is having a career year right now, and he's still by my favorite like advanced metric, offensive box plus minus. He's still not as not nearly as good as Blake Griffin, and he's about to get paid next after this offseason, yeah. probably close to a max contract. Um, he's he's 26 right now. So maybe there'll be maybe everyone's just going to be too and, cool to ever sign anybody and always have flexibility, always have flexibility. But at some point. You know, you can just you can sit there and not embarrass yourself ever. But are you ever actually going to be good? And, and, and the clip part of the part of the reason the Clippers are good is like they had um, Danilo Gallinari, who they had for last year, um, and he was just hurt all year. He had, I think he has like he had a a torn glute muscle or something. Hilarious. That like guy's it, always injured though. Yeah. it's not and, and it's then, not a surprise. Exactly. When but, you sign that guy, but so far this year he's played all their games and he's been awesome. Oh, okay. Um, and like, so that helps. The, tra- the the pick we traded them, they ended up taking this shooting guard Jerome Robinson, who doesn't particularly look like he's lighting the world on fire. He, you know, maybe he'll turn into something, maybe not. But it was like the thirteenth. Well, one thing one thing I'll say about trading away first rounders, even if they're late first rounders, is that you might that might be what kind of gives you gives you a bench that's affordable. If, if you can, if, if like half those guys can yes. turn into rotation players, right? Yeah. Then you're not as screwed because trying to sign free agents is is where things. You know, having to pay people to, to be decent bench players is where you end up signing people like Langston Galloway and John Luer and stuff like that. But, well, anyways, maybe now's a good time to start wrapping things up. Um, we, we've managed to go on for almost 45 minutes about uh, our – so it's good to hear that if we can actually win a playoff series, it is enjoyable and 
you know, national media be damned. Uh, we, we, who knows whether we can contend, but if we can actually pull off a first round, like a, a, a playoff round victory, I would be very happy right now at this point in my yeah. and, life cycle. And, and, we're, and we're right there for it. Like right now we're eight and six and we're fifth in the East, but I think our like point differential has us significantly, it has us being worse than that. So we've got to shore some things up. Our defense looks good. Our offense looks bad, but we're not hitting our threes. Maybe that'll turn around, but like, we're basically right there with what everyone expected. We're like 41 wins plus or minus five or six, depending on things break right or break badly um, with injuries and guys developing. So we're, we are, we didn't know specifically how we would look right now, but we kind of are where I thought we would be like record wise. And you know, the, the, the picture isn't super clear. So we're kind of on the couple years ago, Washington wizards plan. Like, Hey, Maybe we can have that year where we win 49 games. We take we take the Celtics to seven games in the second round, and um, you know once you once you put yourself in that position, anything can happen. You know, including nothing more and having it fizzling things out. You guys are very optimistic. <laughs> well, but you're, you know, you're we are fifth in the West, but to win a playoff series, you have to beat. You're probably going to have to either beat the Celtics, the Raptors, the, the Bucks. Uh, Bucks. 76ers. Or the 76ers. So that's my guess. Maybe you'll get lucky and you're facing like the Pacers in a 5 4 yeah. matchup or a 6 3. I think you could beat the Pacers. But those other four teams, man, they are stacked. No, that's right. I mean, I, 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 we try to be optimistic that you got to have a reason to get out of bed in the morning, you know? But, but what, what, it would, what it would take is like Luke Kennard comes back from injuries better than we thought. Or Stanley Johnson's had a few games where he's hit a couple of threes. And went from looking, like, unplayably bad on offense to, like, acceptable. Just, you know, there's always just a few things like that if they turn around. But, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, things we're, are... We're 500 team plus or minus five wins. So, we... Honestly, and if we keep on missing the playoffs or losing in the first round, and that's our peak, that's a disaster for what we... For our tenure of the Van Gundy, uh, Blake Griffin, into the Blake Griffin era. So, I'm hoping that something breaks to the point where we can... Compete in the first round playoff series, uh, but yeah, the East is way better now. I, I think of those, of those teams. If I had to face somebody, my gut feeling is actually like um, the Seventy Sixers because the Bucks are pretty scary right now. But the Seventy Sixers have some issues. They just got Jimmy Butler. Yeah, and, and, and uh, so, uh, somehow o- Okafor like must have slept with Drummond's mom or something. Like he's just like really do- like has this dominance. Not Okafor. Um, Embiid. Embiid. Yeah, yeah, Embiid. Sorry. Um, I, yeah. Embiid, Embiid is just like, it lives inside Drummond's head. <laughs> That's what he says. Or so he says. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, Drummond's numbers are bad against him. Uh, anyway, that, that wouldn't be the greatest matchup for us because it nullifies. Yeah, but the Raptors, no Didn't way. did they win Celtics that game no after he said that? I, I, I'm not sure. Yeah, we lost in overtime after, like, after Embiid successfully flopped and got, and got Drummond thrown out of the game. No, the Pistons won. Well, they won. They 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 won earlier in the year. They won the first game oh, in overtime. Okay. And then we lost the follow up close game. And I think we close, lost close the rubber games. match. We've had some good, win, some great wins and some terrible losses. So we're, we're going like, to see them in person. And yeah, weeks. we're going to see them play the Seventy Sixers in a couple of weeks. So yeah, maybe. with with Jimmy Butler, we'll we'll see what we're made of. Yeah, I haven't really processed where they land with Jimmy Butler. I know that they lost a lot of depth there, and and they don't really. Spread like they didn't really add the shooting they needed, so it could end up not working out as well as we think. But yeah, the East is really good, so we might be just be kind of screwed. But um, anyway, the, uh, our style of this podcast is to be not completely ridiculously like 
uh, not living in reality, but to have some optimism and to, and to you know, have to try actually enjoy being a Pistons fan. Let me just let me inject some optimism. Yeah. So you guys are kind of uh, zigging where the league is zagging, right? You've got these two dominant big men, right? And that's interesting. That's something maybe to build on. You know, I, Blake is can Blake uh, can run run the team. You can run the offense through him. And uh, that's exciting, and it's and it's different. But you know, Blake was killing that guy from the Sixers that they actually traded, Sarich. Yeah. Um, so actually, that might be end up being bad <laughs> in that matchup for you. Uh, but that's the type of thing Blake can do, right? He's a dominant power forward, and that's that's kind of a cool thing that uh, you know adds some intrigue, and it's not a bad way to go. Everyone else is loading up on these three point shooters and blah blah. blah. But you know, why don't we go for the big men? And I think as far as, like, yeah, I mean, and as far as the way our team is constructed to get shots, I think that we actually have one of the most favorable percentages of shots instead of, like, the least mid-ranges and, and having a lot of threes and, and close to the basket. We just suck at threes right now. So you can imagine that changing. Like, there's no reason that right, um, Reggie Bullock should, could return to being a good – Reggie Jackson could start making open threes. Things could happen for us. So, As always, <laughs> You guys are in fifth place. Yes, right yeah, now. All right. All right. Be happy. All right. All right. Well, thanks, Mike. For By the way, this is my coworker here. I haven't actually checked this out yet. Is it Mike or Michael? Oh, <laughs> uh, I guess I prefer Michael. Michael. Okay. That's how I think of myself. I, I call you Dulp usually. Yeah, that works, works too. Yeah. And I just want to say uh, my 40th birthday, this is just such a pleasure uh, being on with the brosane <laughs> and uh you guys have a well-reasoned uh just you know analytically sound podcast and i love listening to it and thanks so much uh for having me on on my this is a great 40th birthday treat Cheers. excellent and, and if you agree with michael then you can uh subscribe and tell your friends because you would we're we've hovered around about a hundred subscribers and uh, you know, so that's that's enough to bother. But you know, we can grow from here. You're on the ground floor with us. <laughs> uh, thanks, Michael. It was fun.